Crowder's Mountain State Park is one of the most beloved outdoor spaces, not only in Gaston County, but the entire region. It features miles and miles of hiking trails, a lake, and a beautiful summit view. It's been around for decades, and its natural wonder continues to draw visitors to this day. Visitors like the Savvy Citizen podcast crew, for instance. On this particular day we visited, the weather may not have been perfect. Y'all, do you both want umbrellas? I think we can fit. We can fit. Okay. We're both short. Okay, just want to make sure, are you comfortable that way? Yeah. Okay. But the walk was no less beautiful and relaxing. Guiding us on our rainy journey was Alex Brooks, education manager at the Gaston County Museum of Art and History. Join us on our walk as he tells us a little bit about the history and splendor of Crowder's Mountain State Park. Are we already recording? We are. Oh, nice. Oh. Okay. <laughs> While the park itself has only existed since the 70s, and I mean 1970s, the history of people in the area predates that by hundreds and hundreds of years, of course. Alex told us a bit about the Native American tribes who once inhabited the land. Mm -hmm. So as far as, um, you know, a state park goes, it's, it's actually fairly young. Yeah. The area itself has, I mean, you know, ancient history. I mean, it's, it's all the way up until some, some pretty, pretty modern day history, actually. Um, but it's, it's been the backdrop for a lot of stuff that's happened in this region. Do you know if this is native land? Definitely. Um, so interestingly enough, so, um, when you're, when you're here on Crowders, technically the way, the way most people sort of delineate it is east of here was Catawba territory and then west was, um, Cherokee. Mm -hmm. And this was sort of in a, a spance of land that, you know, we, we call today no man's land, basically. I, okay. I honestly, I don't know what what they refer to it as. Um, branches. Trees. <laughs> yeah. Um, what you'll hear often is that um, the Catawba and Cherokee were, you know, ancient enemies, da 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 da, and everything. So they had this expanse of like no man's land, um, sort of, you know, giving them a buffer zone. And that's not 100% accurate. Um, I mean, they certainly, they, they did scuffle and, and fight and, you know, had some, some animosities and everything, but really it was it was about to the same level as you know that cranky neighbor down the street that you don't <laughs> particularly care for uh -huh. um they i mean they also traded and and you know got along just fine yeah um but and i think a, a lot of people just automatically you know the cherokee both benefit and suffer from a little bit of a popularity contest uh -huh. um everybody you know uh, uh, most people automatically assume, oh, well, you know, around here is Cherokee. But the Cherokee were actually more west. Okay. Um, this was, Gaston County predominantly was, was Catawba territory. Uh -huh. um, Crowders itself was always sort of seen as sort of one of those, nat those natural landmarks. Yeah. That you can use as a, as a, sort of a demarcation point of, hey, this is, this is a boundary line. Yeah. Um, which makes sense. I mean, there's not, not too many mountains or not too many, um, 
large geographical features that you can sort of just glance at the skyline and go, yeah, right there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and know where you're at. Yeah. Um, definitely a wayfinding feature. <laughs> most definitely. Yeah. So that's, um, you know, definitely the, this area has, is, is rife with, with Native American history. Yeah. Crowder's Mountain is rich in natural history. The trails are teeming with life. From the scurrying sounds of squirrels rustling through the underbrush to the buzzing of insects, the glug of startled turtles ducking into the water as you walk by. Andre Michaud came through here uh, as a French botanist. He mostly dealt with um, the native inhabitants at the time when he came through. So, yeah. <sighs> late seven, I mean, early 1700s, maybe. Yeah. Um, but when he came through, he. Um, identified several, several species um, of flora and fauna, uh, a lot of which we, we still use his names for today. The um, big leaf magnolia being one of them. Oh, cool. Um, That's one of the, my favorite trees. Yeah. So that was, that was found here. Um, and you know, he's, he did all the, uh, the taxonomy of that. Uh -huh. um, so very, very rich in, in, biology <laughs> as you know significant biology right i would say um you know the flora and fauna that can be found around here is is pretty even today is is pretty significant yeah. we have we have a lot of endangered species in this area really actually. yeah um plants fungus um mollusks yeah different different things um you know not necessarily always the things that you think of but yeah we have, we have quite a bit actually what can, um, what can you tell us about the trail that we're on right now? So it's raining, yes. but it's actually, you know, it's, this is actually still kind of a nice walk. Like it is, it, the, it's, the trees are so green in the rain. Yeah. That, that is one thing that has always struck me, um, about North Carolina in general, you know, the Piedmont and the, and the mountains specifically, but it, we just, we're, we have so much green. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it really is like a green tunnel. Yeah, it really right is. <laughs> And, you know, the, the Park Service does a great job of maintaining their trails. So, you know, yeah. e even in the rain, it's not that, I know, I not that squishy. Say, I'm not, I'm not um, too worried about my, my shoes getting muddy. Um, you know, you did wear white. So. Uh, my mistake. <laughs> um, so we're on the Fern Trail right now, um, which, you know, there, there's loads of trails. So this, this is a fairly easy trail, yeah. um, you know, if you're going to come out and do it. But it gives you a good sort of lay of the land. It's a nice big loop. It's an easy loop to do. I see it's, is it uh, blazed with these white triangles? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Little wayfaring markers. Oh, a creek. Yep. Oh, it's so pretty. Yeah, so here's here's um, one of the little markers, same thing about the about the fern trail. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's really great signage all over Crowder's, I've noticed. Like, yes. There's lots of signage that tells you about the history and yeah, this they, sign is about the ferns, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there, there's, you know, growing up, I was always familiar with ferns as being that thing that my mother insisted be on the front porch. <laughs> I actually didn't realize there was like multiple kinds of ferns and yeah. everything. So which way did you go? So we'll actually go this way. All right. So we're taking a left. Yeah. One of the things the, the signs do as well is, is, you know, sort of have you pay attention to the various things that are around you, not just plant life, but also, you know, um, animal life as well. What are some of the other, um, I don't know, kind of interesting features of Crowder's Mountain Park? Um, as far as the, 
the topography and the um the geography i mean there, there's the lake yep obviously which is is quite right nice there. yeah so right to our left. there it is um the uh king's pinnacle is the highest point right um and there's actually a trail that runs between that and uh king's mountain battleground called the ridge line uh-huh that you can do i think um i think it's about 12 or 13 miles um round trip okay but if i'm not mistaken there, there's a shuttle at one end that you can you can hop on and come back oh very useful <laughs> very useful you know did gaston county used to include lincoln county yes yes okay. it actually started out as i'm as... glad that i wasn't just a figment <laughs> of my weird imagination no yeah no um so lincoln county split apart yeah um, it actually all started as tryon county oh okay yeah so when the original land deeds um came about um from england you know when the king issued you know here is a land grant for North Carolina. Um, it was actually all one stretch and it basically went from ocean to ocean. Uh, but more or less, watch out for uh, hanging, hanging spider bait. Um, so yeah, and then, you know, of course it started breaking out and, you know, different, different settlements and what have you and breaking up into different counties. Um, so originally all of this was Tryon County and then as we got further west and started breaking up more, uh, this whole big section was Lincoln County. Okay. And then later it broke off into Gaston and Lincoln. Yeah. Um, which is when, you know, Dallas was more or less, well, still is more or less the center of the of the county. Yep. And that's when that came became the county seat um, fairly early on. But that's not until much later. Wow, the lake is so pretty. Yeah. We just came on to like, uh, I don't know, kind of a view, a vista. Mm -hmm. It's really nice, even in the rain. It is, yeah. And you can go, you know, you can go canoeing out here, kayak and go fishing. Oh yeah, I see the dock. Yeah. A lesser known aspect of Crowder's Mountain is that it was once home to Lincoln Academy, a boarding school for African-American students that was founded in the late 1800s. Alex gave us a breakdown of these historic ruins and a recent update to its legacy. So Crowder's is also the site of the ruins for Lincoln Academy. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Lincoln Academy is, is a fascinating um, bit of our history here in Gaston County. Um, it was started by uh, Emily C. Pruden, I think was her last name. Um, not Pruitt, she's not local, she's actually from, from Massachusetts, but okay. uh, Pruden, I believe her last name was. Um, and she was, she was an educator, um, philanthropist, um, fairly well off, if I'm not mistaken. Um, she um, actually moved down here, um, well she, I don't know if she actually ever officially moved. Mm -hmm. um, but she came down here and she established Lincoln Academy. Um, she, she stayed with a young lady, um, her, her very dear close companion, um, who lived locally. Mm -hmm. And they helped find the site for Lincoln Academy. Um, she ended up buying, I believe it was about 14 and a half acres um, on Crowder's um, for $141. And it was there she established a school for black girls. 
Um, and this was, you know, it was right after the war. It was, um, you know, Freeman's society was, it was starting Freeman schools um, all over the place and everything for the education of, of black children and adults. Okay. Um, you know, get, give them a chance to make a, a, a fairly good start in life and everything um, and provide them with that education that they needed to do so. And so she started it originally for, um, for girls. And then later it, it came to accept boys as well. Um, and it was an elementary and secondary school. And it was also a boarding school. Oh, wow. And interestingly enough, this area right through here was part of a sort of newly burgeoning um, national highway system. Okay. So there was a really well-maintained rail-traveled road that basically spanned the eastern seaboard, went all the way up to New York, went all the way down to Florida. Uh-huh. Um, and it ran right through here. So it was, since it was also a boarding school, it's fairly easy um, to get your kids here. Yeah. It, you know, easy being the relative term. <laughs> but uh, so families from, from all over, up and down the eastern seaboard, uh, you know, from, from everywhere really, na nationally, sent their kids here. Um, especially when they, once they started accepting boys and everything. And a lot of the graduates um, became really notable figures in our country's history. Really? Yeah. Um, they, uh, so she, she eventually, Miss um, Madden, you know, took on, her, her belief was it, it needed to be quality education. Uh -huh. um, you know, she, she wanted this to be a really, like, a standout institution, and it was. I mean, it truly, truly was. Um, it ended up being passed over to the American Missionary Society. Mm -hmm. um, they took it over and ran with it, really. Um, they are, I don't believe they are still in operation, but I know all of their archives and holdings and everything are still around um, and were adopted by, I think, somebody else if they're not still in operation. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, um, it became a really, really big deal. And when you say Lincoln Academy, a lot of, a lot of people think it was one building. Yeah. Um, because there, there are still a few ruins, like some foundation ruins and everything over at the side of it. And it looks like, um, you know, it, it looks like possibly it was one building. It, it was a campus. Oh, okay. Um, and it was, it was about the size, not quite as big as maybe Gaston College for mm -hmm. a local point of reference, but, um, but substantial uh, grounds and everything, mm -hmm. quite possibly, probably about the same size. Did you mention what time period this would have been active? Yeah, so this started in around 1888. All right. There, thereabouts. Um, turn of the century, basically. Yeah, turn of the century, um, and it it continued on for quite a while. Um, it eventually became, eventually moved, eventually became Lincoln High School. Um, but it was it was a phenomenal and world class institution. Um, you know, you had you had several notable professors, you know, fighting to get tenure there. Yeah. Um, it was it was a big deal. It was it was a massively massively big deal. Yeah. Um, you know, you had a lot of uh, and the, like I say, you know, I say it started in 1888. Uh -huh. It continued on until you know this past century fairly fairly late. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, we, 
we still have people alive today that remember Lincoln Academy, that remember, you know, people that attend, you know, their parents went there, yeah. you know, what have you, or, or what, what have you. What a treasure to still have those memories. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the thing, you know, when we talk about this history, it's not ancient history, you know, this is, yeah. this is not that long ago. Mm -hmm. um, is this the type of site that could be eligible for, I don't know, being designated as a historic site? Definitely, and, and it's actually in process of being. Um, so it is in ruins now. Um, like I said, you know, they, they moved the campus. Yep. Um, the, the school itself moved. And the buildings basically just sort of went defunct. Yeah. So um, the ruins are still there. They're, they are on private property. Um, so you can't, can't go there without permission. Um, but yes, actually, we, so the museum um, is in the process of wrapping up a project um, with Dr. Lisa Withers. Mm -hmm. And I say doctor, she would remind me she hasn't quite got that doctorate yet. Um, she might as well. She deserves it. I'm going to go ahead and give it to her. She has um, the knowledge to she, back it up. She does. She does. Um, but so this was through a grant with the National Endowment of the Humanities. Uh -huh. And um, it was to identify um, some local black historic landmarks um, that are in need of preservation and, and recognition. Uh -huh. And Lincoln Academy is one of those. Um, so yes, so it's in it's in process. Um, Has an application been submitted? Where are we in this in the process of it? Honestly, I'm not 100% sure. Okay. I know the bulk of Lisa's work has been um, has been collecting oral histories from the community. Right. And she's so she's been working really, really um, intimately with a lot of folks in the community to collect those stories and sort of you know which helps which helps. Um, build the case for it. Right. And that's yes. also that evidence is fleeting. Like it needs to be captured. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. Because, you know, like I said, I mean, it's, it's not that long ago, but you know, yeah. people, people pass away and you know, mm -hmm. even, even young people pass away I mean, and, and knowledge is lost. Yeah. So yeah. We're, so we're trying to collect all of that right now so we can build our case for it. Um, which, you know, we, we have a pretty strong case, but Honestly, that's it's not my department within the museum, so I'm not 100% exactly sure as to specifically what point in the process yeah, we are. Yeah, but that's really cool that it's uh, there's work happening to recognize Lincoln Academy. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, that'll that'll go into the uh, Historic Preservation Commission's hands, and then to the state, and move from there. You know. Um, Awesome. But yeah, so it, it's that is a fascinating point of, uh, yeah. of Crowder's history. Which way should we go? Uh, so we are here. Lake was back there. Another turning point, a fork in the road. I think we go that way to get back. Is that the way we came down from the road? Is it? Oh yeah, because we did cross that bridge, didn't we? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Fortunately, the trails were very clearly marked and directed us where to go. Getting back on the right path, Alex told us how Crowder's Mountain played a part in World War I as well, serving as an artillery range. So Camp Green, you know, World War I, around 1917 or so, um, was established over in Charlotte. Um, that's actually interestingly enough, that's where Charlotte got all of its people. <laughs> huh. 
Charlotte was actually not. I mean, it was always like a main trade route. It was always, you know, a decent size yeah, settlement. Yeah, where trade meets Trayon. Right, exactly. Um, but it didn't experience its big growth boom. Okay. Until World War One, or immediately afterwards, rather. Um, so many of the guys were stationed there during their, their service time. They came back, you know, after the war. They really liked it in this area, so they moved back to Charlotte uh -huh. and, and the surrounding area. Um, so Camp Green's artillery range, not, not a whole lot of things to shoot at in Ooh. Charlotte <laughs> um, that, you know, can take mortar shells and all that kind of jazz. Um, so their artillery practice range was actually here on Crowder's. Um, so they actually used the face of the mountain as their artillery range. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, incidentally, uh, Remount Road uh -huh. was actually where they practiced cavalry drills. So huh. you would ride your horse. Remount it. Yep. Get down, <laughs> do, do your, you know, your maneuvers, remount, and ride back. Oh my gosh. But yeah, that's, that's where Remount Road gets its name. Yeah, so at the base of the mountain was the, uh, the artillery outpost, which is where they, they practiced um, artillery maneuvers. Huh. And it was also, um, I, believe you can st I believe the beacon is still there. So they used to, um, pilots pre-electronic um, equipment mm -hmm. on planes, uh, used to fly by what was called dead reckoning. And basically you used visible sites, you know, yeah. um, landmark, actual, you know, landmarks such as Crowder, such as we were talking about with, you know, the Catawba and the Cherokee, yep. um, as your, as your wayfaring points. Yep. So yeah, so, uh, airmail pilots, um, were flying over, you know, this area at that time. Okay. And so they would, uh, Crowder's was one of the wayfaring beacons, um, and they would have the, they would build these, um, large concrete beacons mm -hmm. basically um to to help the pilots find their way and crowders was the site of one of those so um it's, so it's had it's had quite a quite an interesting history yeah it is actually just hearing you lay it all out and hearing how its use and significance has changed depending on you know the people who are using it it's really interesting. It just makes you appreciate it a lot more. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And I mean, you know, I think, I'm, I'm sure, you know, the rangers here could tell you all kinds of stories about things they've they found or, or you know, local stories we haven't heard. Right. Um, you know, there, there was a number of families, you know, this, by the time, by the time the, um, the native inhabitants were moved out of the area, you know, predominantly, uh -huh. um, there were still, quite a few of those families. You know, we mentioned agriculture being one of the big uh, mainstay things around here. And there were a number of families. Um, this was their farmland. You know, mm -hmm. this, was, this was their property. And so they, um, some of them sold it willingly, some of them not so much, <laughs> um, but gave their land to, to become what is now Crowder's Mountain State Park. Aha. And I, I will say, if you swing by, if you're out here visiting and you swing by the, um, the Ranger's Office, the Visitor Center, uh -huh. um, up here at the Sparrows Access Spring, Sparrow Springs Access, um, they have a really well done um, little exhibit in there that gives you 
some of the history of the park. Um, and, it, and it does a really good job. Um, and it and actually gives credit and talks about some of those early families um, that were here and you know some of some of the things that they did. Alex, thank you so much for taking us on this tour. Yeah, it's my great pleasure to come out here with you guys today. This is the fun part of my job. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Usually I'm a budget analyst, which is a lot more boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, if you haven't been to Crowder's Mountain State Park yet and you're local, I highly encourage you to go check it out. It's a great space to get outdoors and enjoy the natural beauty that Gaston County has to offer in any weather. I'd like to thank Alex Brooks for guiding us, and a special thanks to George Glenn, Crowder's Mountain State Park Superintendent, for giving us the opportunity to come out and record. Thanks for listening. Until next week, this is Elizabeth McGee for Savvy Citizen Podcast.